Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Revenue Marketing podcast, brought to you by the Revenue Marketing Alliance. Today, our podcast host, Eve Chen, is joined by content expert Lauren Wallet to discuss how content marketers can get ahead with content forecasting. Welcome to Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. I am your host, Eve Chen. Today, we are going to talk about an important topic, content marketing. So I think that, you know, um, many of us, you know, heard the term, uh, the, the phrase, you know, many, many times, content is king, right? And um, the term itself, content marketing, was first documented, I think, universally believed uh, to be from the Pharaoh magazine by John DeRee. Um, which traced all the way back in 1996, almost 40 years ago now. Um, and in the 2022 RMA uh, State of uh, Revenue Marketing Report, uh, we saw some you know, interesting uh, finding. So um, 88%, uh, 88.9% of the participating companies, we see that uh, told us that uh, um, they have a content role within the organization. Um, and we also see some others uh, study, you know, who tell uh, that tell us that ninety three percent of the B two B marketers, for example, they use content marketing, um, and seventy percent, uh, seventy three percent are producing more content than they did a year ago. However, having said that, and uh, there was a study that I read from CMI Content Marketing uh, Association. Um, they uh, uh they told us that only forty two percent of the B two B marketers believe their content is actually effective, and Forrester study also echoed that and they told us that only sixty to seventy percent of the um B two B content oh sorry the, the actually the sixty to seventy percent of the B two B content is not even being used by sales. Which shows that you know similar like you know thirty to forty percent of the the content is actually effective. So um, this clearly tells us that you know how important content you know marketing to get that right is for B two B marketer, and it's still very very challenging for us. So most of us you know the uh, as B two B marketers we have not cracked the code when it comes to uh, developing effective content. So um, recently that I came across an interesting um, blog article, came across the term content as a currency and content forecasting. Um, so I'm really, really happy to uh, be able to invite the author of that blog article, uh, Lauren Wallet, who is the author of those uh, articles. And I, I just mentioned about those new terminology. Um, so Lauren um, is a trend forecaster for the uh, future of marketing, and she's also a founder of uh, Create Tricks, auditing and a forecasting social media marketing software. Um, her goal is to democratize marketing so that everyone who wants to start a business is empowered to um, really uh, be able to use that effectively. Um, she runs uh, Mal Malfa Media and also uh, Create Business Academy, which is a training school to enable businesses of all sizes access to creative excellence for their marketing strategy. So uh, I'd like to welcome the, uh, Lauren to the show. Lauren, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Um, you mentioned that uh, in your bio that uh, you are a creative uh, anarchist. 
<laughs> uh, who advocates for reimagining business through patriarchy. These are really funky terms for me. <laughs> that offers inclusivity and equality for everyone. Um, before we dive into the topic itself, I'd um, love you to, you know, uh, introduce yourself uh, um, a little bit more and especially, you know, some of the, this turn you talk about um, democratizing uh, marketing and also, um, you know, uh, patriarchy. Can you just, you know, give us a little bit more background about yourself and, and some of this terminology that you mentioned in your bio? Absolutely. So the overarching idea is that we get to reimagine how business is done and to do it differently. And a lot of marketing, which for me is the pipeline into successful business. So how do you make money? You have to market it to people and that's the pipeline. And marketing was traditionally done based on a lot of propaganda. So it's a lot of fear and shame. Buy now, there's scarcity. Right. Are you struggling? Are you suffering? It's very much prodding people's pain points. It's making them feel bad. And like there's the sense of urgency that they need something. The alternative to that, that I think is about inclusivity and loveliness and playfulness, is, that, is this idea that as a consumer, we are empowered to choose something because it brings us pleasure and elevates our lifestyle and that we aren't just driven by our suffering. We're not only doing things because we're in pain and we need a solution. We're doing things because we want to. So yeah. the idea then is that marketing gets to be a celebration and an invitation to something alternative and new and lovely instead of just, I've got a sore head, so I need to buy this pill. It's, it's, just a, it's a different approach. And as consumers are evolving and becoming far more discerning with the way we've been tricked and trapped in the past, we right. need a new language and a new way to engage with people, especially because now marketing is primarily done on social media, which is social interactions. It's a conversation. So it's not just a billboard showing someone suffering and being like, this you, you need this. It's a conversation right. about actually engaging with humans within their experience, which is not as black and white as problem, solution, problem, solution. It's so much more nuanced than that. So Patriarchy as an overarching concept is this idea that we get to play and reinvent things and reimagine so that it's more of a shared collective human experience. And that translates to business, to marketing, to the way we show up in our interactions with people. It's just a fun word. I just like instead of saying patriarchy, it's like <laughs> it's for everyone. It's for everyone. <laughs> That's absolutely gonna catch attention. <laughs> no, I love that. Um, and you're 100% um, right. You know, I think, you know, the, those traditional marketing approach and why well, I shouldn't say marketing is more of an advertising approach, right? Is really trying to, um, to you know, it's, it's more of a one-way street and really trying to do a lot of convincing, a lot of sellings. And um, nowadays, you know, more and more, you know, especially we're, we're living a very collaborative and earth consumers and us, you know, uh, even B2B companies, you know, become a lot more informed, um, you know, in that buying journey, right? So it becomes a lot more consultative and more collaborative approach in terms of almost treating our consumer and our clients as uh, partners in a way. And uh, really, you know, look at, you know, looking certain needs and pinpoints and um, together, you know, in my experience, even in-house as an enterprise marketer, um, there were times that, you know, customer actually come to us and then guide us along the way and we together figure out the solution and build the best best practice, you know, in that particular solution space. 
So uh, 100% appreciate, you know, uh, what you're saying. And then that's definitely you know, um, the trend I've been seeing as well. So I want to dive into back into some of those, you know, uh, statistics that I mentioned in the introduction, right? Um, so, you know, so, some of these, you know, stats are pretty alarming. And obviously, uh, we see that organizations still very heavily, you know, investing in content marketing. But uh, we're not really getting the results we are, you know, we, we are expecting. And even, you know, down to like, you know, internally, sales are not even uh, appreciating some of the content that marketers, you know, we're putting so much energy uh, into producing. So in it, uh, you know, they, they're not even being used. They, they don't even get out to market other than some digital channels, right? Um, so um, based on your experience and uh, expertise, um, I love to get your thoughts, you know, with those stats I quoted, why do you think that the content developed by B2B marketers, you know, still ineffective to this date, despite that the turn, you know, um, actually came about since 1990s, 1996, it's been such a long time, but we're still struggling. Totally. Well, there's two parts to that, but to just to like set the scene, the term content marketing is so broad. It's like a galaxy. So I specifically look at social media content marketing, but content marketing can be anything from your blogs, your emails, it's written, audio, visual, video, everything just gets dumped under content marketing. So if you're looking at everything, which pretty much everything is content, yeah, a lot of it's going to be ineffective. The reason is twofold. The first is to do with the strategy. So it's actually the creative approach to marketing. As I mentioned, a lot of it comes from just traditional propaganda. So it's hard sell, it's overdone. There are these standards of copywriting and these precedents of how things have always been done that are continued and it doesn't work anymore, but everyone's still sticking to the same approach. So the actual strategy is off. We're we're moving far more into entertainment. And if you've heard that term, um, edutainment. So um, educating through entertainment, being interactive, like you said, partnering with your customers and clients, determining what the the right solution is or the optimal outcome for everyone involved, working together, collaborative. So the content marketing needs to reflect that approach. Most of it doesn't. It's just generic churn. The second is the way we measure it is ineffective. So what are the measures in place? How are we analyzing it? And what are we doing with the data that is pulled? How are we interpreting that and translating that into an improved plan? It's not enough to say, oh, we need content marketing. So here's eight emails. Here's a bunch of videos. Here's some churn and just goes onto a platform. And then you're reading the analytics for that platform, which make no sense because they're all combined across. They, they, they just, it's very jumbled. So we need a granular approach to understanding specific pieces of content, why they work, and then doubling down on that. But to begin with, you can just look at, I would argue that if someone's saying, oh, my content marketing isn't working, the term's too broad, they don't have it divided enough, and their approach is not really like modern content marketing. It's based on propaganda and sales, which is, of course, not going to work. Right, no, that that's a great point. So, um, strategic, you know, from the uh, strategy levels and uh, our approach to, uh, um, can you elaborate like a little bit more, more like you know, um, from the strategic viewpoint, how do marketers get so wrong? So, I'll give you the I'll give you the vision for the future, and then that'll like link to the the problem that we see now. So, I see content creators as the new entertainers. Content creators get to dare to delight us and provide us with delightful content. I call it the ACE approach. So you get to play your ACE, which is artistic, connected expression. 
So that should be the premise for the kind of content that you're generating. And if you want to run it through a play filter, now linking back to the overarching philosophy of patriarchy, the play filter will be, is this content or is what I'm doing purpose-driven? Right. Is it lighthearted and aligned to you? So if that's the business, it's aligned to the business's core values and beliefs, but it's treating that business almost like a human being. So having that personality, having some uh, um, an entity that people can trust, rely upon, build a relationship, return to, be loyal to, so content needs to have that that approach to it just from the get-go when, when you're when you're doing it. And now this may sound like a lofty ideal, like how do you make delightful content and play your ace and all these things? But at its yeah. core, it's how do you remember humanity? How right. do you remember the humanness, which is that we're driven by desires and fears and dreams and hopes that we're not just driven by problems to solve like we're not sims or bots we're not a computer game like catch this, right. this like we're so much more nuanced and i think it just goes to this idea that um if i look at demographic marketing com compared to the democratization of marketing demographic marketing is what we've seen with google ads and facebook and it's about putting people in tiny little boxes like you're a mother between 25 and 45 and you're busy and you want to feed your kids so we're going to market to that Right. But that doesn't make any sense. That's no one's human experience. No one self-identifies as I'm between 25 and 45 busy mom. You you are driven by what, what you love, the fact that you love sunsets or you have aspirations to write a best-selling book one day or you secretly wish you could just run away to the woods and leave your family sometimes. Like secrets and desires and dreams. And if you speak to people like that, it's going to pull yeah. them toward action far more than saying, are you a busy mom who doesn't have time for their kids? Like we have to speak to the soul of humans. So I think it's within the messaging, it's the languaging and just understanding from a basic human level that no human being wakes up in the morning and is driven by problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution, except that's how we've been taught that marketing is, that that's how humans operate. And it's not how yeah, we look, operate. Look, that is very true. And it, it reminds me because um, most of the marketers, you know, all, you know, have to create, go through the, the process of creating buyer persona, right? And um, the persona, like, you know, you earlier just mentioned, you know, obviously you have your demographic and, um, you know, you, you want to articulate their pains and um, their needs and, you know, what this uh, particular persona, their day look like, get a sense of, you know, uh, who you're targeting, who, you know, might need uh, the product services solution that you are offering, right? Um, so the typically that what I see, you know, there's, there's not that, you know, kind of emotional kind of elements being uh, examined not I have come across and not in the level, you know, to really truly understand that the uh, emotional journey it in the um, buyer persona profile to really articulate, articulate that. And without knowing that, you know, you can't really devise any strategies and um, tactic to really, um, you know, take care of that emotional journey, I suppose. Is that what you, you, you are referring to? Then? Yeah, exactly. That emotional journey. So if the democratization approach is going, if you speak to people's hearts or their emotions or their deepest desires, it doesn't actually matter their demographic. 
It doesn't matter if they live in this neighborhood and use the cell phone and fit in with that group. They might, they might resonate with what you've created as might someone from a whole other country in a different demographic, but their desires are the same. And if you can speak to desire, you actually pull your, your audience toward it, toward what you've created. For example, I was at a Tesla convention outside of California. There were people from all different walks of life, like literally from very like Republican kind of families to mm-hmm. women with purple and blue hair. Like it was all, it was all shapes, sizes, races, everything. And everyone was there because they loved the dream of, a, of an autonomous self-driving car. They were obsessed. So okay. you would have one car that was literally a Tesla that was bright pink about women's rights and feminism. And then there'd be another team over there with like the American flag waving and people with huge like moustaches and like just (laughs) totally different. And everyone was there having a glorious time laughing, frolicking in the sun because they had, they had something that united them. And that's the power of marketing that literally you can have one thing which pulls people all together. And the, the easiest equation to that is it's like a song or a book, or a movie. So that's the art. If you can find something that resonates in people's hearts, we're all far more similar than we are different. And it actually can be a uniting force instead of separating people. Because I can guarantee you that the the busy mother between 25 and 45 who's living in a small town in America has secret dreams of her own and doesn't feel like she's just a generic somebody exactly like her friend. She probably feels that she has her own unique hopes. So if we speak to that, we're going to get people to take action far more quickly because we really do make decisions based on emotion far more than logic every time. It's how we yeah. feel, we hope to feel in the future. That, that is so true. Uh, it reminded me a conversation I had with a professor from um, New Zealand. And um, the topic is really different, but, you know, uh, what her message was really, you know, um, the perception in the market and, uh, um, you know, typically is created based on single dimensional um, information. And we as a human, we're not single dimensional. You know, we even just as a role itself, you know, I carry multiple roles. I'm a mom, you know, um, I am an aunt and, you know, I am, I have a business and I'm a consultant, you know, um, you know, my, you know, the way I look, you know, I'm a woman and, you know, I'm Asian and, but I was born in Taiwan, but, you know, I was, I grew up in Australia. People don't know about that. And now I'm American as well. So, you know, all this is like, you know, there's so much like culture and value impact who I am that, you know, um, a lot of often that, you know, get neglected and the, the perception and however is formed uh, your marketer w- wasn't able to dive into those, you know, nuances, like you said, um, very much, you know, we pigeonhole our consumer, you know, into that one single and area. And we limit the you potential, yeah, you limit the potential of the business or the brand. So if right. you just think of Apple, which is such a universally loved brand, that right. campaign of Think Different spoke to so many people across the board who see themselves as original thinkers and pioneers of innovation and change. Nothing about demographic was mentioned. That's a headspace that they're talking to, that we can all, well, those of us who believe in thinking differently can be drawn toward. So that's when it gets it right. Um, And that's when we see the most powerful campaigns. And they're usually the ones that are the most unexpected because they're offering us a potential for a future that we can latch onto. 
it's not about suffering. It's not about problem. It's about opportunity, elevation, potential. And yes, we all contain multitudes. We all have paradoxes and complexities and can hold two contrasting thoughts at the same time. Way more interesting space to play. And when you start delving into that, you actually can really... If that's that's a brand hook. That's when you hook someone and can really get them to love what you're doing because it resonates. Right. And if it resonates, it's going to get referrals. And then what happens is marketing does what it does best. It's manufactured word of mouth for free. Right. So when right. that happens, I'm on social media. I see something I love and I think, oh, my sister would love this or my friend would love this because it speaks to me. I know it would speak to them. And I, as the consumer or the scroller or the, or the person taking in the content, I start to become an advocate for that brand and work for them for free by sharing their content, saving their content, reposting it, commenting. Suddenly, I'm part of their marketing funnel. So that's what you want to get to. But you can only do that if you are speaking to people to who they are or who they hope to be. Right. No, no, that is amazing. Uh, actually, you just, you know, give me a great example about Apple. I was going to ask, you know, some, some of the best practice companies and um, is it, oh, Apple obviously is a very powerful consumer brand. And um, do you have any example in the context of say, you know, B2B space um, also was able, you know, they have, they have a pretty much a crack the code and, um, you know, able to deliver something like Apple, you know, you know, towards the consumer. Um, I'd, need to, I'd need to give it some thought of, of direct B2B. Um, can you tell me some of the biggest examples you can think of? What's a, what's a top of mind B2B for you? Uh, like Salesforce, for examples, and, um, you know, salesforce.coms. And um, so, you know, really operating in the, um, the, the technology is operating in the B2B marketing space. So like HubSpot or Grammarly? HubSpot, yeah, or- yeah, exactly, yeah. I guess the closest one, because I don't think any of them do a great job. So they're not really, <laughs> not really my vibe. Um, because a bit to be marketers thinks of yeah, things like you know, oh, solution. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is exactly what I'm not about. Um, I think I can use Canva and they are B2C and B2B, but Canva would be the great, the great example for me because they just understand the user experience. So it's by interacting with their product, they give you what you want. It's almost like they're reading my mind. So I want my right. background to be removed of pictures a lot. They do that. So I know Canva a lot of, does a lot of B2B, but that's the full experience. So it's the way that I'm interacting with the product. It's very much, cre- um, it's intuitive and it thinks like a human thinks. So that's where it's good. Whereas a lot of these, uh, like Salesforce, HubSpot, I mean, even HubSpot, I don't use, like I've tried a lot of times, but it just, it just, it, I don't feel it actually does it that well um, because right. I'm bombarded with emails and it's like, it, it's just, it's, it's old school. So I think that there is a huge opportunity in the B2B space for this to be implemented. I don't see it that often at all. Right, right. Um, it's definitely something I'm doing with my own software, which will be going B2B, is having the human approach because I still feel B2B, B2C, you're still people dealing with people. It's still me talking to the person making the buying decision. Whether that's got a company behind them or it's just one person, it's still a human game. So I yeah. think the same rules could be applied and it would be a far more interesting space if we saw businesses interacting like businesses, you know, like, yeah, then there's big opportunity there. No, that, yeah. Um, the, the, the one example probably I can think of is um, just reminded me, a client of mine actually the, uh, in the cybersecurity space. And so they sell, you know, a very, very highly 
technical solution. And um, so one of the uh, key customers uh, is Lockheed Martin. And uh, so there was one event that I did for them and basically really trying to tap into um, elevate the brand, you know, to really um, position as innovation. You know, they are the innovative leader in that space. So uh, we basically created event using mass lending thing and creating this uh, space, you know, kind of experience at the event. And we're bringing like uh, AI, um, you know, those uh, video games, gamings, and um, their target audience, obviously, mostly uh, cybersecurity professionals, and a lot of them are highly technical driven. And, um, but, you know, we know that they, they love playing video games. <laughs> so that experience, I think itself, you know, is just one little example. Um, I think close enough, I hope, you know, to what you're speaking to, really trying to tap into that emotional connection with the brand. You know, it's not, today we're not talking about, you know, how to, uh, all the details and uh, solving that privilege, privilege access, you know, um, management in your organization. We're not looking to the speak, uh, the, the spec and um, the use cases. Today, you know, we want to, you know, uh, uh, really articulate the brand is that visionary, uh, player in the space, and um, that event it was uh, uh, super fun, and you know, um, and we still got a, uh, the message across that you know this company is uh, is the leading innovator, you know, when it comes to privilege access management. However, we didn't say uh, talk much about the product and the solution at all. And um, I think that that's probably one example I can think of. It's it's a great one. I'd say it's how do you translate that onto social. So right. 100% creating an experience in real life is exactly where it starts. That's the heart of it. And then the social media content marketing aspect of it is translating that experience through how you show up on social media, through the visuals and the songs and the tone of voice, and it's continuing that vibe. So how is your brand showing an environment that people want to be a part of? And now that environment doesn't always have to be a party. It could be feeling like an art gallery. It could feel like coming into someone's home and sitting on their couch and being served some warm cookies and a cup of coffee. It could be going to a spa for the day. It could be frolicking outside on the beach, whatever your vibe is. But how do you translate that into social? And that's where content styling is so important about styling your brand taking all the, the brand ethos and not just the logo and the colors, but translating that into styling of your social media content. So content right. stylists is a huge part of content on social media, but no one's even talking about that yet because everything's <laughs> blanketed under content. It's a blog. No, it's like, how does the blog sound? How does it look? What are the visuals? How does that link to the ones you see on social? It's a beautiful, intricated web. And when you get it right, it has immense yeah. power because you're creating an entire world that your consumer gets to come into and want to be part of. But you have yeah. to know how to make a space that people want to be a part of. So that's the right. first thing. And how do you make a space people want to be a part of? Well, it's inclusive. It's lovely. It's usually entertaining. If you think of a cocktail party, there's multiple elements. There's good music yeah. playing. The snacks are good. The company is cool. It's it's an environment. So it's yeah. translating that into social media. And that's just done with a good strategy and some styling. Wow. That, that that's a, the definitely, you know, a real um real art. And 
to tackle that. And because, you know, I know retailers, you know, uh, traditionally do that really well, you know, that the, how they actually, you know, the music they play in the backgrounds and department store, um, you know, if you think about that environment, right, how they position, you know, the even the escalator, right? It's all designed to give that, you know, maximum customer experience and um, when they're in their premises, right? Um, us uh, B2B marketers, however, haven't really been thinking that terms, my personally anyways, and uh, some example I can think of, but, you know, um, on social, that's a whole different level of challenges. You know, how do you translate that kind of like your five senses, you know, emotional connection? Um, essentially that we have, you know, audios and we have, you know, uh, textual imageries, you know, those kind of uh, um, media. I guess video becomes uh, very powerful on social. That video you can becomes so more. powerful because energy doesn't lie. So right. you can send someone's energy. And it's yes, the reason it's why everyone fell instantly in love with Shochu, the CEO of TikTok, because he is just delightful. Like you can't not love that man. He's got grace, composure, eloquence. He's gentle. He's not a show off. He's there in his vulnerability and authenticity speaking. And I love right. watching him on video. And he's not like a showman. He's, hi, everyone. <laughs> It's me. Like, it's just so, he's so lovely. He's so him. And that's, and you can just feel I'm going to say, I'm, I'm in a, a safe space with this man. He's not going to trick me. He's not a, he's not that um cliche of a sleazy sales common who's going to wind me up and tell me I'm beautiful. And he's giving me a special deal just for me. Like, <laughs> you don't want to hear that stuff. We just want someone to be who they are and build a yeah. real relationship with that. Um, You also see, He's he's not as good as it, but he's trying his best. I don't even know his name, but the 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 CEO of Instagram Meta, he shows okay. up on TikTok quite a lot, and he speaks to the audience and he gives the updates. He just sits there with his glasses on and says, "Hey, this is what we're working on," and he's just talking, and that's definitely made people, including me, be more. I'm like, okay, I'll be on Instagram a little longer. Like, I feel like there's a human connection there a little bit. Like, they're trying, they're figuring it out, but when you have this approach of social. The beautiful part of it is that it doesn't have to be perfect. It gets to right. be iterative. It gets to change. You get to show up and go, I said this last week. Turns out we were wrong. Or, oh my gosh, thanks for the update. I, we changed our mind. What do you think? <laughs> you get to yeah. share the behind the scenes process. And there's so much power in that. That's so, so true. When yeah. I was pitching for my, my startup, for my software, I was just practicing on TikTok saying, okay, should I say this? Should I say this? Is this clear? Is this clear? Asking my audience, trying to figure it out, sharing the journey and getting the most invaluable feedback of where I was going wrong, taking that in, coming back again and going, and now? And then them either saying, you got it or try again. So there's so much power in that. And it's so much easier than we've been conditioned to think it needs to be, which is a very expensive team brainstorming the perfect one-liner, getting it right, spending a fortune with a big effort to push this thing. It's like, no, test, be iterative. Social media is a free space for content testing. Like put it all out there. And once you've really refined that message, you get to elevate that. And an amazing example of this is with Liquid Death. So um, do you, you know Liquid Death, the brand? Right. Yeah. So Liquid Death has huge 
social media content generated, a uh, client generated content. So okay. what they noticed was that one of the biggest things was that little kids were cracking open um, cans of liquid death when there was a sports game on and cheersing with their friends because it felt okay. like, a, yeah, like it felt like they were being cool. So this was happening already on social media. So what they did was they saw this and then that's how they created their Super Bowl ad. They just right. idea and did another I one. That one right, okay. yeah, it took off because everyone was already doing it. So social media content can not only build your relationship and drive sales, but it can inform your entire communication strategy and the direction of where the company goes. If you're paying close enough attention, if you're using it for the powerhouse that it actually is, it's not just an afterthought of we need some videos. So let's go and make some generic stuff. That's cool. I'm definitely going to look into that (laughs) and also try to find out the uh, TikTok from um, the CEO of uh, Instagram. (laughs) That sounds absolutely fascinating. I think 100%, you know, authenticity um, is what we are, uh, you know, really longing for. And these days, you know, uh, when you build human connection, you can absolutely tell what is a curated, what is staged and or, or versus what is a genuine, you know, coming out from just, you know, at the moment. And this is a specific message that might actually, you know, be relevant for that that um, audience. So I want to dive into a little bit more about, you know, um, the terms that you came up with. And um, so it fascinating content as currency. Tell, tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> So the, the big the bigger idea behind that would be that connection is currency, that everything is just about connection um, and being able to have authentic connection. But content is currency is this idea that content, if we've created our own content, it's an asset that can grow in value over time and be reused and work for us, that we don't need to keep producing content churn. If we invest in content and iterate on it, it can become an asset that we just reuse and reuse for decades into the future, which is really great. So I see a future in which content will be treated like a currency, where you will be auditing it, investing in it, forecasting the future for it with my tool, and actually making it work for you in a very right. specific way. Um, would you like to me give, give you an example of the mechanics Absolutely. that I'm talking yeah, about? Yes, okay. yeah. So say, for example, a company has produced a ton of content, and you want to do an audit on that content for a year. So you audit what's working and you come up with the top 10 posts. And of those three are standouts. They just, they're the best. You can then take those three and make that 80% of your content forecast for the future. You can stop doing the rest. So you can take that content and either repurpose what already exists. So chop up the videos by starting in different places, take different angles of the same photo or just go okay these are product shots they're very clean and minimal we're going to do more like that whatever your whatever your case is and you can start to simplify the entire content process because you just have the base of what works but what I always recommend in an audit is keep 80% of what works and add in 20% wildcard content so that's something you haven't tried before so you now have a running list of what you've done and doesn't work you know what does but what have you never tried So then to create new things so that the next time you do your audit, you keep improving the baseline of your content. And what's going to happen over time is it's going to get more and more creative and more and more stand out, which goes back to that original, one of the original things I said, which was that the best marketing campaigns are unexpected and we didn't see them coming. It takes us by surprise. It's not a copy and paste version of someone else's trend. It's something that comes from that brand itself. So if you're looking at your own stuff, you'll be able to come up with something unique and original. 
Yeah, no, that 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 makes a lot of sense. And um, and as marketers, you know, with those kind of insights, and um, you know, we can absolutely bring back to the internal like sales teams, and um, you know, hopefully, like obviously, you know, this the 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 stats that earlier I mentioned that you know. Um, 60 to 70% of the uh, content produced by B2B marketers is not even used by sales. I think that's a lot A lot of the, um, I guess that's another whole new topic we need to dive into the, the reason why, right? But at least, you know, with that approach that like you just mentioned, marketers actually come up with the insight and the to sales that, hey, this actually, you know, is gold, you know, uh, and that this is how you will be using this particular it's, content. It's that translation, so, and this is why having creative strategists is so important and why the role of the creative in the company is gold. Because right. if you took an advert of kids cracking open liquid death and you gave it to a person who didn't understand why that works, they may say, oh, liquid death should be for kids. We should make all the next campaign little kids on a playground and it should be in pastel colors and let's make it because clearly kids love this. No, it's it's kids don't. It's not for kids. It's the cool factor of the juxtaposition of kids acting like little adults. So that is obvious for a creative person to see. But maybe yeah. if you gave that to an analyst, they would say, we think that liquid death should be for children. What's the next product? It's like, and they would just <laughs> get it wrong. So yeah. it's about who is translating the data. And that's right. the disconnect where there's been all this data, we have all the stats, but no one knows how to interpret that data because a creative needs to interpret it. And they need to interpret it on a granular level of looking at that specific piece of content, why it worked, and then all the elements that combined created the solution, not that those elements would work individually. Amazing. That's amazing. Um, and t tell us a little bit more about the content uh, forecasting. Um, earlier, you mentioned a word, you know, um, uh, basically um, you can using data to empower and then really looking at, the, you know, um, your, your content, what is effective, what is not effective. How the, I like to dive into the how component. You know, how can um, then, you know, the mechanism that you'll be using to really turn that into a forecast, you know, uh, for your future. So my software has two components. One is the public audit. So this is auditing anyone's content that is out there publicly. So you could order okay. audit Nike, Liquid Death, Apple. You could audit anyone's and get the data. And that is available right now. Anyone could do that. It just takes hours and days and you've got to know what okay. you're looking for. So my software would do that. The second one is you can do a personal audit. So I can log into my own account or my client's account within my agency and pull the data from that. And then you would have the, the, the top performing posts. Now, this is where it gets nuanced. I have a specific idea of what I think a top performing post is, but it's not actually based on reach. So if you're just looking for reach, which is what most advertising agencies will tell you, oh, we got eyeballs on your product, you paid for reach, you're winning. I think right. you are losing because if you are paying for 10,000 people to see your product and only 1% is engaging, that means you are paying for people to avoid your product and ignore it. Right. Social media has got to be about the interactions. Is there any interaction? Did they like, comment, save, share? That's when you're really getting into the depth of building the relationship if they're saving and sharing it. Not just, did they see it? Who cares? Do you know how much content that I technically see a day that I can't even remember because I'm not interested? But the things that I'm engaging with, 
That's what's relevant. So you're looking at the data and you're analyzing it based on metrics that matter. And then of those, I like to compare the reach to reaction ratio to make okay. sure that that is correct. Because some of these big accounts like Nike that I've been auditing publicly, it's like anyone can, um, some of them will have millions of views because they've paid for that reach. But I'm interested in, okay, but who actually interacted on that compared right. to the number? Because a smaller piece of content might actually have a better ratio. That's the content that's more interesting to me. That's why right. I also like organic content marketing versus paid content marketing because organic is the truth. It's people who have just naturally gravitated to it more than spamming it to everyone um, where you might just get some random person liking it, but they're not really the ideal target market. So it's it's measuring what matters and then it's looking at that ratio to determine these are the pieces. Then you break down, okay, these are my top three. Like I think three is enough. You could do 10, but really you, you get an idea where you're like, these ones really stand out. Then it's analyzing how that works. And there's a variety of different ways you can do that. At the moment, the software lets the creative determine how they do that, whether it's based on um, the style of the video, the, the, the caption, the hashtags. There's a bunch of these that a lot of social media platforms tell you, but it's so much granular detail and it's all so divided um, that it yeah. just gets lost because it's, it's about the whole. So yeah. what's more powerful is just to take a look at the ones that work and then speak to what is most obvious to you. So as the creative strategist, what is most obvious to you about this and really keep it granular into how do I recreate this again? So that's the forecasting part, which is okay. I now know that this is true. How do I recreate that? I'm going to right. recreate this into this, this, and this. And then it tells you how to recreate it. So that you have a plan that you can test. Was my premise correct or was it not? And I feel the more we simplify that process, the better. So my software audits, it measures, it simplifies, and will ultimately interpret. But for now, you can interpret based on your own understanding. Got you. Yeah. So it really is about, um, not about posting more, it's about posting better. <laughs> oh, yes. So what drives me crazy when I've been researching the people in this MarTech space, there's just so much about content churn. So all these ridiculous platforms that say they yeah. analyze, but it doesn't analyze correctly. It's strange charts and circles and lines and things that do not make sense to a creative mind. And then it's yeah. like, pay to post more. Why do I want cheap, fast content? Why do right. I want AI-generated copy and paste generic content to spam out into the world that everyone's going to scroll past. No, I want a resonant piece of content that I can use again and again and again that speaks to my audience. Yeah, you're 100% right. And um, now, you know, even I can't, I can't catch up the amount of like a MarTech is being released in the last decade. You know, you look at the, you know, uh, just, just Google, right? And then you pull out like thousands of logos. So, um, for marketer, it is mind boggling. And, you know, you're talking about the social, um, it's just, you know, social is one channel, right? And there's so many other disciplines and channels as well. And um, so do you have any advice may actually even warrant a blog article, I think another blog article from you, um, really, you know, educate um, marketers, you know, when they are selecting a tool, a piece of technology to really help them to um, measure and, you know, monitor measures and uh, then, you know, getting to that future forecasting mode. 
um, you know, what should it look helpful? You know, as you mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of uh, um, platforms out there. They promised to do this kind of thing, but ended up probably not. Um, so lots, you know, if you have any hinters and, um, you know, you can suggest to our listeners. I would say this is when the human element comes in. Invest in your creative strategist. Cre- invest in creatives. Even right. invest in artists and people who are thinking outside of the box in your content creators. I believe that in the future, companies won't just have marketing departments. They'll have entertainment production companies. So I think people should be hiring content creators and performers to make up content for them versus just some person who's going to churn a bunch of copy that's generic and goes nowhere. So it's investing in that talent or at least understanding how to find that talent and then knowing what you want it for. So starting with the end in mind, I want a better plan. I want my content to keep getting better and better and better. Okay, cool. So then you know it's not just about having um, a calendar with all the, like success is not a complete calendar that runs on schedule. That's not success. It's looking for key key pieces of content that stand out. Okay, so how do you track for that? Currently, I haven't seen anything that does it as well as what I've built. I think it, this does it the best. Maybe there'll be competitors in this space. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen it yet. Um, but if you are just using something you've already got, you're using your own analysis tool. I would say get the get the analysis team to work very closely with the creative so that the interpretation is relevant and the translation is relevant. Because understanding the stats is not the same as translating them into a specific piece of content. You have to know how to translate it. So it's linking creators and analysts together, which is going to be the power combo that you need. Right. Yeah. So number one rules uh, um, suggestion is invest in your creative strategies. And yes, it, it was absolutely interesting because uh, a couple of weeks ago we had the revenue marketing summit uh, in Denver here. So um, I was privileged enough to chair the event, and uh, um, there was a speaker. Uh, it was really powerful session actually uh, from Spotify. And uh, um, so it was actually one of the creative strategies that came on and talked to us about an application. Um, and she was pre- as she was presenting, she asked us to, you know, pull our phone and then did a little quick survey um, on the link that, you know, she asked us to go to. And then um, the presentation then become totally tailored based on the answer that we submitted, uh, yes. um, it, it was absolutely uh, crazy. And the, how that just pulled us, all of us in, I, and I was observing the audience. And um, so what she was taking us is a, through the journey, how Spotify was able to, using such, you know, simple survey, and all of a sudden, you know that, you know, how many people in the world is listening to um, the genre that you are into, you know, the, the playlist, you know, and in a very fun way, um, out of the a room, you know, of 60, 70 marketers, um, she came out with the result to show us, you know, who would, who would list, listening, uh, who is the top person in the room, listen to, um, Songs with most of profanities and so we were just so all well. laughing and yeah. so and that just you know creates such you know positive experience. I'm just talking about that one single presentation that she did, and you know I came out you know from that session with the best mood and um you know obviously you know in my post event evaluation I gave her the highest review. She made and, you feel good. 
which is what, what we want. Yeah, exactly. And if only beauty brands could do that instead of shaming us into you need this lipstick to be more attractive or to be the, if it's like to make you feel good, yeah, you're going to love, I love Spotify. It makes me feel good. And that's yeah. what I'm going to return to. There's only so long that I can be shamed and be told that hating myself is the right answer, that therefore I must spend my money on something to, to be better. That's going to work. Eventually you grow out of self-loathing. Like it, it stops working. So <laughs> I love that you're speaking to this because if you can create a feel-good environment that is going to be way more transcendent and have way more longevity and good brand. I mean, you're speaking about it now to me. So clearly it's yeah. like, yeah, it resonates. That That is fantastic. Um, yeah, Lauren, you have been giving us so much and uh, lots of insights. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to go back and listen to this again myself. And um, so, you know, um, on every conscious about the times and um, before we wrap up, you know, I always ask the same question to all, all of my um, podcast guests. Um, so I'm going to ask you the same questions. And so if you have superpower and you can predict the future, um, what would you say the next big thing would be when it comes to content marketing for B2B companies? I think it's I think it's entertainment. I okay. think it's B2B having a full entertainment division and creating content that is edutainment, almost like mini reality TV shows slash actual shows that you watch, but it's in bite-sized forms and it's about making companies cool. It's making companies a cool vibe from the inside out. So reflecting the ethos of the company to what they do and doing it in a way that humans can engage other humans right. in the company. So yeah, it's the humanization and entertainment of content. Yeah, I love that. Really love that. Um, any last minute tips for a listener on the subject of uh, content uh, forecasting, content uh, um marketing <laughs> i have tons of resources so if you go to laurenwallet.com you'll have a list of my different business initiatives create business academy has an extensive blog packed with resources with okay. alternative approaches to content marketing and on ilovemelva.com which is my marketing agency i've compiled i've compiled a guide i think it's called the ultimate guide to content marketing in 2023 and it's got okay. a link of quick links a lot of resources i give away a lot of information for free so access it take it all there's content quizzes there there's resources there's diy courses there's there's a tremendous amount so um as an overarching thing laurenwallet.com has a link to all my sites and then spend some time exploring and playing and if you have any specific questions anyone can reach out to me directly on linkedin at lauren wallet that that's amazing and that truly is what you said that you're trying to democratize it what you do that is absolutely awesome um thank you so very much uh, for coming to this show uh lauren and uh, um there's just packed with insights and information i'm definitely going to check out your your um the the links that you mentioned and i will put that in the um the comments as we push out this uh, episode and so yeah thank you again and as always and uh, um thanks thank you to our listener for tuning in I'm your host, Eve Chen, and this is another episode of Let's Talk Revenue Marketing. Until next time, I hope you keep talking about revenue marketing. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our other episodes for even more insights into the world of revenue marketing.